0: Welcome to everyone who's just joining us right now at Kopi with Vance. That's right, it's me, it's Wednesday, nine PM. I'm always excited because I know I'm going to come in and uh, share a lot of information with you guys, which you can share to your loved ones as well. And yes, we are live in Spotify and Apple Podcasts, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook as well. So in all social media, we are, you know, going live right now. Okay, today's topic, it's a bit very, very interesting, right? It's all pertaining to the upper part of the human body. In fact, over the past three years, we have covered, I think, the entire human body, right? We we spoke to a lot of professionals. We talked to a lot of doctors, professors, surgeons. And today's topic, very, very interesting. And it's always uh, in my interest, right? I always love exploring as well. So today, I have a very special guest, a very good friend as well. Uh, she is Dr. Jacinta Vigneshuri-Francis. She is a neurosurgeon. So she's going to jump in with us at Copy with Vance. Let's call Dr. Jacinta. Hi, Dr. Jacinta. Hi. How are hi. you there? Hi, everyone. Good.
1: I'm good. Great. I'm doing very well. Um, yeah, I love, your,
0: I love your background, you know. Very cozy. Yeah. Where are you right now?
1: Oh well, I'm actually in the East and Orient Hotel in Penang. Oh, okay.
0: So, nice, nice setup. You know, very holiday mood, right?
1: <laughs> yes, of course, Chinese New Year is even a right. Doctor, uh, 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 had- yes. Yeah.
0: Before Before we jump into the topics and get started, um, will you please do a, a introduction of yourself, please?
1: Sure, sure. Okay, so first and foremost, I think I'm gonna congratulate once for such a platform because i'm very excited to be here and uh, so i'm uh, as he has rightly said um, i'm pretty much a a consultant neurosurgeon who is actually based in malaysia and uh, i have a special interest uh, done a fellowship in pediatric neurosurgery and i think um, my main uh, uh, aim here is to as the topic suggests a time for awareness so i hope that this will be a good platform for me to reach out to the community to talk about awareness. And uh, I think you shouldn't be afraid when someone says it's about the brain. I think that's where we're very connected to each other. So thank you for this opportunity uh, once for me to say something.
0: <laughs> thank you, Doctor. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I know you have a very tight schedule. I know you've been traveling here and there. But, you know, putting aside one hour to share your valuable information that you have gathered over the years with us, I think it's really a privilege for us to have you here and share and explore. And I think that's what our title is all about, A Time for Awareness. And thank you so much to be with me at Copy with Vents. Um, doctor, I'm going to start engaging um, a lot of questions as well for you. Uh, before we even get started, all right, um, you know, over the past three years, we have lots of doctors came in and gave their expertise in advisors and sharing and awareness. Um, You know, I was told there's always the software and the hardware. So which area do you belong to? The hardware, right? (laughs)
1: Well, technically, I think, yes, we do more of the hardware. We try to, I think you can't fix anything, to be honest. But we uh, kind of uh, try our best to make it better. So we do know about the software and the hardware. So yes, you can say we're more into the hardware. (laughs) <laughs> the brain, the structurally itself. Right,
0: doctor. So that's thank you so much. Thank you. So, um we're going to go into this because we've been hearing a lot of stuff, right? Uh, because we have uh, neurologists which came, I think, about last year who, who, who came and gave his interview and as well today, you know, as a neurosurgeon, what do you, right. what do you really do, you know, as a neurosurgeon? Oh, okay. That's a huge, uh, huge
1: uh, spectrum to be honest. Uh But, Yes, it's a very enlightening feel. So we uh, usually deal with uh, um, pathologies, brain pathologies, which are linked to brain tumours, um, brain traumas, which needs uh, operative interventions, uh, not to suggest the brain itself, the spinal cord as well. So even the central nervous system, uh, pathologies and the brain and the spine comes under us. So that comes from the degenerative problems, spinal uh, tumors as well, vascular problems like stroke as well comes under us. So it's a huge spectrum to be honest. Before we can if you want to discuss my spectrum of uh, duties and my colleagues, it's a huge one. It took a whole right. a lot of the hours. Yeah, uh so
0: it. probably we'll need a whole day for that for that question to <laughs> be answered, right? <laughs> Okay, uh, but but correct me, right, Doc? If, if I'm getting it right, um, as a neurosurgeon, I think there's so much things that you know you can talk about. But I think um, there that that the few things that you mentioned about trauma, um, tumors, vascular disorders, uh, infections of the brain or spine, stroke, or even degenerative of diseases of the spine. So so much things that's been involved over here that we're going to engage at least try to take a couple of uh, questions for you. Uh, But the first thing that we're going to talk about is the TBI, which I'm hearing it very often, and I've started exploring that as
1: well. And is this quite
0: common, and what are they? If you can uh, explain that, Doc.
1: So when we talk about um, traumatic brain injury, so this is an acquired brain injury. So uh, in traumatic brain injury, there is some alteration in your brain function, or there's evidence of some brain pathology caused by some external forces um, or trauma. Right, so they are open or closed injuries. So the one that we usually know about is the, uh, uh, especially in the accidents, your know, road traffic accidents are one of the main causes, and that's quite evidence with statistics these days. But besides that, there's other causes that we don't really pay attention to, and we don't really want to, um, I mean, we need to be aware of. So even in occupational hazards, uh, falls at workplaces, even at home. And uh, besides that, even the pediatric age group, children who repeatedly fall down at school and when they start walking, we don't really realise that there are certain times where they actually go through some um, traumatic brain injury. Okay. And the other thing is that uh, not many touches on this is actually abuses as well, like even domestic right. abuses. We do, take, we do have patients that come in with a traumatic brain injury, so there's a high mm-hmm. suspicion when it comes to the clinician. So these are things mm-hmm. that could cause uh, traumatic brain injury but when i said acquired this is all traumatic causes they're also non-traumatic causes but since you're talking about trauma so these are things that we want to acknowledge and, and, and right. know that, that this simple yeah. etiologies that we should be aware right. of Yeah,
0: right so doctor uh just to get it a little bit more deeper to dive in oh. deeper um you mentioned about tbi um you know trauma i mean brain injuries um it's, it's basically purely on impacts, as like someone get a fall or, you know, some kind of pressure or is it can be mental uh, abusive or stress or depression, can that also cause TBI?
1: No, so that's the thing. So when we talk about, um, I mean, we talk about psychological disorders, that's a whole different ballgame altogether. Right. But when we talk about traumatic brain injury, it's secondary to a trauma, right? Thanks. And uh, so I think a point we need to understand is when you talk about traumatic brain injury, we have different categories. So we have mild, moderate, and uh, severe head injuries, right? So when uh, so traumatic brain injury is not a static event; it's always mm-hmm. going to be evolving. So it can happen one, at one go, and then it starts evolving for years. Then you get symptoms after that. So you can have uh, psychiatric implications that comes as a complication right. after after traumatic brain injury, but they don't. You don't have a mental stress that causes the traumatic brain injury. That's different. If they had a problem mentally and then they cause trauma to themselves by the external forces, then yes, that becomes traumatic brain injury. So we have to have a clear border on where we are wow. uh, when we talk about traumatic brain injury. So try not to uh, think that any psychological disorder is traumatic brain injury, right? So I mean that I hope that answers your question in some sense. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Definitely. And, and also, Doc, um, you know, in the medical science, uh, every day it's a new learning journey, right? I mean, something has been explored, something new comes up. Um, but in the hardware we are talking about, um, as a neurosurgeon, is, is it something that, you know, constantly have to be upgraded? Or is it something that new things that pop up? You know, we, we, we talked about a little bit more things because I'm quite a little familiar with the peripheral nervous system, what they can do. And, and we are talking about if they go... Like a disorder, what will basically happen though, if someone having a peripheral disorder nerve system?
1: Oh, so when you're talking about peripheral nerve disorders, that's a that's a different section of it. So they are literally tracks that come from the nerves and to the brain. So there's always this there's always this highway of networks that's going on. So whenever you sure. have a peripheral nerve disorder, even if it's because of a tumorous uh, in, uh, swelling on the nerves or is there this section of the spinal cord causing you to have paralysis, there, there are more towards the functionality, uh, more of your motor functions will be affected. So say you can't move, and then of course, based on depending on which nerve root you're talking about, which is affected, we have right. also local nerves that are involved, and that function of that nerve can be also affected. They have numbness, uh, and also you can have uh, some sensory disorders, because all the stress... Right. It just don't contain motor functions. They also contain sensory functions. Our balance, right. everything is there. We talk about peripheral mm. nerve disease. It can also constitute another huge spectrum of problems. And pain is one of the most uh, high highlighted problems when right. it comes to symptoms of peripheral nerve disorders. Right. So yeah, that that would be more. <laughs> yes. You, you
0: know, doc. I mean, um, I always uh say this to most of my doctors whoever come to copy events, you seems like a, a electrician to me you know of course your profession is a neurosurgeon but you know there's so many nerves in our human body like you said the pain sensation or the movement of the ends or swelling you know how do you manage this or rather using the word manage how do you go about you know are are you a really a truly a electrician? Does does something like you know you work with the nerves or what do you actually do in in you know operating theatre or what what is it like? We like to know about that.
1: Of course. So as much as the studio is your theatre, <laughs> it's your stage. The operating yeah. theatre is mine. <laughs> so that's my stage. So but okay. actually um, lots of things happen when you start after the operation. That's where management happens. So we can call ourselves like I would call. In my opinion, I, I like to call myself a holistic engineer. If you want to put it in that sense, oh, so yeah, the engineer. So that, okay. Well, I mean, hardware. But I think, uh, I think what we want to know here is the diagnosis, yes, but the treatment right. doesn't start uh, only with operative interventions. That's where it all starts. After the operation, that's where the real management starts. So that's where right. in neurosurgery. It's a huge uh we don't just work alone we work with a multi-discipline team it doesn't happen with just one person right so when the person comes in it's not just about the patient it's about the individual loved ones the family right and the community this person is living it's a life changing event so whenever someone yeah. comes to us surgery is life changing so we feel right. we are our lives are changed with each patient right so whenever we have a team of of a, a multidisciplinary team. We're talking to, as you just mentioned, the neurologist, mm-hmm. it could also be the be VDNS status, so the critical care unit, the mm-hmm. nurses, which is the main role, that role play, the rehabilitative specialist, which is another whole team, nutrition. So all mm-hmm. of this is, uh, is involving spaces where you know, someone comes with a neurosurgical problem that faces they're the acute faces, that's the moderate part of the post acute phase and how they rehabilitate. So all of this involves a lot of teamwork. So I right. would say, yes, on my part, if when you look at this in a bigger picture, I don't hold the most important part. I'm actually part of the whole process, the journey, right?
0: All right. Thank you, Doc. Thank you for that. Uh, we who watching this, you can actually engage Dr. Jacinta Vignic-Francis, who is a neurosurgeon for any questions if you have, or you can just uh, message us, you know, at COPY events. Um, Doc, you know, um, neurosurgeon and neurologist, all right? Um, the word neuro, both are there. So, are you our best friends?
1: <laughs> uh Well, we're all good friends. We're all team. Okay. you know, we're right. we're team building uh, society. When you talk about uh, working in the hospital, you have to be, uh, you know, part of the team. It doesn't work with uh, being just best friends. I think right. most important outcome for the patient. So, yeah, <laughs> you could say.
0: <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, Doc, so what are the indications, right? The indicators one must see a neurosurgeon. I mean, it's not like, you know, you're having a cough or, or like, you know, temperatures running up. Hey, I may have a COVID, you know, people go and check with a GP and, you know, you get diagnosed with certain medications like Panadol or cough syrups and so on and so forth. But, you know, to go and see a neurosurgeon, what are the indicators? But of course, uh, what are the signs and symptoms that, you know, one should look for or if they do ever they ever need that in the future?
1: Okay, so um, okay, I'm gonna go back to the focus of uh, trauma, traumatic brain injury, so that at least we have some some context because right. it's as I said, the spectrum is really big. But with regards to trauma, brain trauma, I think the the first person that the, any individual sees is in the emergency unit. From there, uh, they will actually do if there are signs and symptoms. So, what kind of signs are we talking about? So let's focus on something mild. If it's a severe head injury, everybody will know that critically, we will be involved mm-hmm. immediately at the first point. But when it comes to the mild head injury, when someone falls down and they come into the emergency room, they are not. Uh, I'm having a headache. You know, those are the signs that you're talking about: headaches, sudden vomiting. and they're not just about just uh, just these kind of signs. People forget a lot of forgetfulness. Uh, we call them right. amnesia. We tend to, okay. to forget what happened, what where you were in, which, uh, which problems were you in. So these are few signs, and most of them will have giddiness And then suddenly, um, you know, they'll say, I mean, am I supposed to see someone? And there are certain indicators where the emergency physician would decide whether they need to go in for an imaging or not. Now, besides the symptoms, we also have, clear uh, symptoms would be having a weakness of your limb and, and, and the persistent vomiting. Yes, they'll go ahead and do an imaging. When you have these subtle signs, there are also other Mm. underlying issues that we need to think of. If someone's under blood thinnest, someone has stroke before, they have other underlying medical illnesses uh, that we are a bit worried. Somebody uh, older, more than 65 years old, these are indicators where a CD scan will be done. And then they will refer based on the CD scan, whether we get to do a neurosurgeon who will see this patient or they would have to send the patient back for an appointment. Now, this is where I think there's a lot of... um, Uh, indicators that are are different to be honest and um, to me um, we forget about the uh, mild symptoms and then we tend to send the patient back but we actually can see patients which are having concussion we call them concussions so when you have these symptoms we will actually have them uh, tell them about red flags that we need to be to be aware of so if you send them back this 24 to 48 hours is very important for us because the rest is important for a concussion mm-hmm. patient. Let's say the CT scan is normal; you don't see anything, right? So uh, I think one needs to understand concussion. Even though it's a mild hit injury, it doesn't have any structural injury. You can't see anything on the scan. But what is happening is there's a temporary electrical uh, stoppage of your mm. network, right? When that happens, uh, we tend to we tend to shut down a bit. We need to we need to actually. Uh, Kind of conserve our energy. Energy, To be honest, right. So these forty-eight hours, even though you do not have any things that need surgery, but you need to have that proper rest. That rest is really important for the brain, right. However, we will inform the uh, the relatives on the red flags. Now, let's say the headache becomes worse, or suddenly there's new symptoms. The vomiting becomes even persistent, and then the conscious level becomes a bit of a a drag. They don't really understand things. They become a bit slow then these are all red flags of one going back to the emergency room as soon as possible. So what you might not see then might be visible in the scan later. So these are things that we need to be a bit aware. Now, physically, if someone had an injury, an open injury, it becomes a bit easier for us to go ahead with a scan and advise accordingly. So not all uh, head injuries have to have a lesion or something in the brain for it to be a, a, a problem or an injury, right? So I think when you are having an injury, the, the impact of the injury, whenever the movement of the injury, whether it's a it's a blunt injury or just with the movement of the car itself, this acceleration and deceleration that happens with your brain, it stretches the nerve cells What in, in any way. So this uh, might not be apparent, might not be obvious. The functions might not, or whatever dysfunction might not be obvious at that moment. But it can be obvious later, maybe after two weeks. So we give a a good two weeks of uh, observation for these patients with concussion, right? So what I'm trying to uh, make people aware here is concussion is not something that you would have to take lightly, even though it's, it's considered a subtype of mild injury, because you've been told that it's normal. Nothing's wrong with you. You did a scan. It's normal. So, why should I be worried? But at the same time, you feel something is just not right. And a lot of these patients will have other symptoms, which will come up, not just headache. We start having cognitive problems. And uh, I think this has been very evident in patients who are working, especially in, the, in their younger age group. They tend to right. be more forgetful after that, after this injury. And then they can't do their work. They can't, they seem to be more sad, depressive, like not themselves. So, but they feel something is wrong because the doctors say they're fine, right? So this is where I think the awareness needs to be enforced. So your indicators, when you talk about indicators, these are the things that people need to know that it's also a situation. We need to address it as early as possible. The, the earlier you address these situations, it helps you to go back to work. So just because you had a concussion doesn't mean you can function immediately. These, these signs and symptoms would tell you that you need time, you need graded activity to go back to work right so i think um, uh, indicators for severe injury is very obvious definitely will be seen by us there's an operation uh, but when you talk about uh, mild and moderate head injuries these are the ones where you have a gray area whether or not to refer to us so yes you can refer to us when there are these situations where we work with the other teams as i told you if there's an obvious uh, lesion like a bleed in your brain obviously we will be the one to address whether or not to go into operation to observe. To repeat CD scans. So, when someone comes in for a traumatic brain injury, for instance, it's never going to be a one off situation, as what you said cough and cold, finish story and get leave yeah. and that's it. No. It's going to be repeated amounts of observation and maybe a repeated amount of coming back to see the doctor to understand, not just the doctor, maybe the rehab specialist, the OCD, even the psychologist. So, these are where we need to uh, get the indicators for malhead injury. Started. I mean,
0: so definitely, doctor. I mean, uh, from <laughs> from that, that few minutes that you explained about, I think that's so much of varieties that you are looked upon. So that's where the holistic team comes in, right? The psychologist, yeah. the neurosurgeon, the neurosurgeon. Um, neurologists and psychologists, I mean, what are we looking at? I mean, in terms of stress, in terms of depression, because, you know, not sure what's going to happen. So, so many things can happen. And uh, like what you said, right, the sign and symptoms are very important. That's why we are looking at the indicators. So, that's on a serious note, but on a lighter side of this talk, can you make <laughs> someone smarter? Because you talked about this wiring and electric that's going on can you like a plus b join together then become the next einstein but this is an aside yeah I, I
1: wish uh, but anyway uh, to be uh to be on a uh, i think there's some general knowledge that we I, yeah. i'm also enlightened about it. uh i think everybody is uh, being exposed to something called Neuralink. i think by elon okay. Musk, he started something yeah. and uh, They've, yep. implanted, uh, they've implanted, they've uh, implanted these chips uh, in in the visual cortex, the optical part, of that part of the brain, and is able to, uh, I mean, to, to to help with sight and stuff like that. So and right. and he is trying to, with his team, he's trying to tell us that there could be a, a positive review of uh, of of uh, stimulating the networks and making wow. us a little bit more smarter. Mm-hmm. So let let's see. I mean, there's a very huge platform we're talking about. Yeah. Yes, and he started it. He just started it. Is unveil this? This is interesting. Yeah. So uh, maybe, yeah. yes, I think maybe this might be your answer. <laughs> but
0: but doctor, but doctor, um, it's okay to do all those stuff, right? But make sure the subscription of the network keeps on going. If you forget to pay one month, that's it. Your network close. <laughs> you also get close, right? So that's on a softer side. Um, we're having a great conversation with Doctor Jacinta Vigneshwary. Francis, she's a neurosurgeon, and we're sharing a lot of uh, in-depth what is, you know, in this podcast as well. I mean, you can't get it on a normal day. She has spent uh, many, many years, you know, studying, probably right now also studying. I think doctors never stop studying because medical science is always evolving. New things are popping up. So I think uh, she is, you know, not not exhausted yet, but still studying and still in the, in the professional field. Um, doctor, I'm gonna go into uh, to determine the severity of a disorder because everything is about nerves. Everything is about sign and symptoms, CT scan, MRI. You know, with so much of technology is just coming in, uh, but sometimes you know at the back of your head or when you are you know looking at a patient or something like that, you know, there's so many things that you have to look for: indication, sign and symptoms, medical reports, so much, so much things, right? What, how you will look at the severity of a disorder then?
1: Alright, so going back to context, so we'll be talking about um, uh, brain injury per se, traumatic brain injury. Uh, when the patient comes in, uh, the first thing that we see in them besides the clinical uh, clinical symptoms is the consciousness, which is a very important um, indicator or, or guideline for us. I, I say it's a guideline because it's not entirely everything, but it gives us an idea. On how severe the disorder is when it comes to trauma, so we right. have something called the Glasgow Coma Scale. Uh, this is a conscious level scale that we actually use uh, as a, as a uh, kind of like a, uh, kind of like a uh, descriptive, uh, descriptive scale where everybody from anywhere in the world can communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. We understand this language, right? So, if the scale, uh, we have certain numbers of the scores that can tell us whether it's mild, moderate, or severe. So this gives us an idea on how intensive the therapy or management is for the patient. So that's the first thing that, that will give us an idea. Now, the second thing is after, um, after we have um, we have this uh, descriptive um, uh, scale, we know where the patient goes. And with that, the severity of the disease comes after knowing what are the other underlying problems the patient could have together with the brain trauma. So that gives us another ad- 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 adjunct how much we have to go into and what are the prognosis of this patient would be. And we will inform the family members as well. There's always communication going on at every phase. So yes, I think the main, uh, the first form is the consciousness that tells us, that scale that tells us, and then the symptoms that comes after, let's say with operation, without the operation. And after coming out from the intensive care unit, that is where we will assess. So we give them about six months usually to see how much of the function comes back. And then we can mm-hmm. tell, we can prognosticate. We have something called Glasgow Outcome Scale. So these are things that we use to actually help us to, to identify or prognosticate what's going to happen uh, to the patient based on the severity, in, in a nutshell. It's bigger than Right. That.
0: Thank you for that, Doctor. I know this topic can be stretched out for days, months, and even years, but we are trying to get all in compact answers, which obviously is very useful because I'm learning. I'm sure we were also learning, and thank you for sharing. Um, doc, uh, we are going to go for the next question and the next question is something like this. Um, We're going to talk mm-hmm. about dementia. So dementia falls yeah. under neurologists or neurosurgeon. Actually,
1: it's more for neurologists to be
0: honest. Okay. Yeah, very much. Into that. All right. So, and, um, well, are these then, uh, age-related diseases or is it can come in? Because, you know, yes. everybody's forgetful at some point of time but as we age, it becomes more obvious. So...
1: Just a question. So, uh, okay, dementia can be, again, it's an acquired thing. Yes, there's age related dementia. There's something called vascular dementia, secondary strokes. There's also yeah. um, secondary to tumors that could also cause dementia. And also, dementia secondary to any brain pathology, per se, even traumatic brain injury, will increase the risk of having early onset dementia. So, yes, dementia is a very, again, a very broad topic that has many um, classifications at the moment. So, of course, someone comes in, the neurologist will have to do these. Uh, they have their own scoring system to actually classify right. what kind of dementia you have, depending on the imaging. And and so, yeah, that's that's, that's where we are at uh, with dementia, if you ask me, in my point of view. So, okay. yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you, doctor. Thank you so much. Uh, we are already at 33 minutes into the podcast. We are live at... Uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well, so you can actually listen to that and you can also share to your loved ones. Um, Of course, we can engage Dr. Jacinta with lots of questions after the show as well. If you can type in the comments um, when she has the available time, she definitely will try to answer that. But um, as we are going in more a little bit more deeper before, I know you have a few questions for me to answer as well. I'm not sure. I'm not doctor here, but I'll try my very best, but non-medical related (laughs) questions that I definitely will uh, answer that. So um, so we we are right now in um, you know we, medical science have improved so much uh, probably over the decade you know as we are now advancing into um, there is also and um, uh, recently I, I did a, a, a podcast where they use these holograms and look into the organs while they operated and and that's becoming advanced. Uh, to help as a tool for surgeons as well, you know, you know, to, to explore, to make it much more easier, to make it less errors and even, you know, to understand about these organs as well. Uh, where we will be in the next 10 years, because AI already coming in, I know there is no uh, confirmed answer, but looking at this, uh, do you think in the future um, where robots will be doing these um, complicated um, surgeries, or do you think humans still the best because... Sometimes, you know, we are controlling the breathing, the heart rate, the emotion, and so on and so forth. But of course, when you are in that theater, you are a, a person, you know, operating in the human. So where we are, where we will be, I know it's a tough question, Doc, or is it easy for you? Oh,
1: no, no, I think there's no such thing as an easy or tough question. I think it's just uh, challenges that we want to do. And I think this is a yeah. very timely question. Uh, we at the moment in neurosurgery has come up re- pretty much more than fifty decades. We've come really far. Uh, we've actually uh, we've actually started using um, we actually started using uh, neuro monitoring. We've got something called image guided stereotaxy, and we've we've actually come up with lots of uh, lots of adjuncts. Again, I, I mentioned adjuncts because. The main operating tool is us, you know, with our microsurgical anatomy knowledge, is it's always something that is our basis, it's our essence. Now, robotic surgery has also started we already about about at least about five to ten years. We got robotic surgery in. However, we don't use um robotic surgery as the main uh, function. It's also again an adjunct to certain cases. But um at the moment, as you mentioned about AI, it's very interesting because AI, as I just told you something about Neuralink. Now AI is one thing that's coming up in the picture after you know Mars has spoken something about it and and yes, I think there will be a role where we will we will work together in some sense. I think you cannot have one or the other working as an, on your own because together I think maybe we could make it better. I think the whole idea is making a better outcome. and even now we're already having awake surgeries where we actually do uh, operations on, on patients awake. And this is where we work very closely with the neurologists as well. So yeah. we've come yeah. far to give an advanced um, treatment in management, not just surgery, but to give a better outcome. So we can say that certain diseases that we do, used to treat before, we can actually make a difference somehow. Even with cancers, we can actually make a big difference with the pathologists and and, and how we've actually graded our our. Uh, upgraded our tumours is different now we're actually going into a molecular level so everything when you ask me about advancement in 10 years I think we are going to be flying high on, on, on treatment and management people are going to have a better outcome in neurosurgery especially if AI is involved yes definitely I think we should be open to the idea of upgrade we should be open to the idea of technology because that's going to be there but never forget what you are I think the essence of being a neurosurgeon should still be there not just totally give it off you know? so yeah, I, 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 I mean, that will be my my simple point of view at the moment.
0: You know, doctor, you said well, very well, uh, explaining that in the tech, next 10 years, you know, things are going to be in advance, definitely for the humankind. It's going to be more, a little bit more, more kinder. But, you know, I was watching a documentary. Uh, I think a couple of, I, I'm not sure if it's a neurosurgeon or a neurologist. I think probably it's a team. They're operating on a guy. And while the guy is awake, and I think he's playing a violent, or he planning, I don't know what he was planning, playing. But you know, at the back part of it, a big thing is going on. Some major operation is going on. How is that possible, doc? With anesthetic coming in, the pain, you know, how is it? How is it managed? If you can just highlight or share.
1: Yeah, yeah of course. Um, in a nutshell, of course, it's a it's a huge uh, arrangement. There's a lot of uh, planning in this, and uh, of course, we've come a long way with neuroanesthesia as well. So, of course, when you're doing awake a surgery. Uh, there are different techniques of doing this. Uh, We have different areas of ours where where we go in into where it's pain-sensitive. So from the scalp to up to the, uh, we call it the layer that's covering the brain, the dura, you have pain, right? But after, when you open the dura, on the brain itself, the surface, there's no pain felt per se. So this is where we take advantage where we actually intubate the patient. We have anesthesia going in. So the anesthesia is very tailored for an awake surgery because we want to make sure we monitor the, the, the nerve, uh, the network, the tracks we're talking about, the motor function. And so we want to take it down, to not too much anesthesia. But at the same time, when we are open, then we can remove the remove the, uh, the, the tube uh, and the patient will be able to do whatever they used to do. So we have the neurologist that's always on board and, and checking on the motor functions and also speech. So then when they are doing this, we are mapping the brain for, say, which areas of the brain is actually very, uh, we call it eloquent, important areas that we can actually protect. And wherever the tumour or the lesion is, we were trying to denote the area that is safest to resect without any issues. So before doing that, of course, the planning of where to detect the tract, the imaging that is done is different. We can tell you where the tract is, how so that we can plan the surgery. There's a whole team planning. So if the person has its own, they are a musician. It's even better because when they do, whenever we are actually touching something that is important, they will stop. They will stop. Uh, they are unable to do those, those like the, the, the playing of the violin or can't speak. Then we know that we are actually at those areas. So it's a very good way of assessing the the neurology of the patient even before, sure. even before the patient patient goes into uh, outside for surgery. So we put the tube back and we're going to suture it back and we're done. And we know for a fact that the patient is well. Like you don't really need like an immediate CD scan. You already know the patient is doing well. So I think, I hope that answers. is very interesting because we're using awake surgery even for huge surgeries, not just tumours, you know, aneurysm surgeries. Yep.
0: Thank you, doctor. Thank you for that. Um, Um, I know, I know, doc, I know you're using a laptop. So do you need to charge that or it's perfect? Uh, Can I just
1: shift it to, I might want to shift it to the, phone if it's okay. Sure you can. Uh, yeah it's perfectly fine. Okay. Nice. All right fine so I'm going to connect While
0: you. you take your time to do that. Uh, we were watching this. Uh, we are having a great conversation with Dr. Jacinta Vigneshwari-Francis. Uh, she mentioned that I pronounced the name very correctly and accurately so thank you so much for that. Uh, and she's a neurosurgeon as well. Um, we're having a great discussion about the brain and the kind of stuff. We talked about the TBI, uh, trauma brain injury And a lot of other stuff that we talked about, the tumors, the vascular disorders, the infections of the brain, the spine, the stroke, or even degenerative diseases of the spine, but so much of things to cover uh, within a period of one hour. So she's trying her very best and we are trying to create some awareness here. And that's why if you look at our title today is time for awareness, all right, in the neurosurgeries and neurosurgeons as well. Is that fine, doctor? Is that Okay. Uh, I'm entering. I
1: think. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I can hear you well.
1: Okay, that's good. So I don't, I think I'm gonna. Is it better?
0: Change it? Yeah, it's better now.
1: Yeah, because the the phone just might go off. And uh, you got my invitation for the.
0: Yes, just hang on. Let me just see if I can get you there. Or you can just press the link that I sent you earlier. Um yeah, so you uh, from your phone itself you can also do that so if you if you went offline that doesn't matter oh there I got you there
1: okay okay, okay. okay cool
0: so I'm gonna kick you up from the studio and there you so I got you now better now?
1: better there you go, Better. Doc. definitely
0: alright thank you <laughs> you know doctor that shows that you are an excellent neurosurgeon because you're talking about wiring and kind of stuff you easily done it and I think doctors are always having these great patients, you know they never panic. Is it a part of your your medical school training? you know you have to be always be composed, be relaxed <laughs> i I think.
1: I think this is something that comes with experience. Not everybody gets into composure immediately. And I think experience and uh, how you, I think, being as a neurosurgeon, I think the most important thing is I know from whatever that my mentors have teached me is not to panic. That's not going to make any difference. And I think this is also this is something that we all, you know, in every field, panicking doesn't make you think clearly. So in order to have clarity, the composure comes with staying calm. First, assess the situation and then go about it. So, I think it becomes part of your life in some sense. So, yeah. for me, um, I'm 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 very uh, <laughs> I'm honoured that you say that I'm actually feeling calm. Thank so you. this Thank comes you. with experience. Comes with experience, I'm sure. Um, Wens, I want to touch about something. Um, because yeah, uh, when you're mentioning, I mean, when you're mentioning about the um uh, indicators, and I was talking about. Because based on your mental health uh, situation that you're having yeah. this month, I think I want to highlight something. If you if you will allow me to, um, because um, yeah, when we're talking about the post, uh, I mean stress, so post-traumatic stress disorder, and I think I've I've noticed this pretty much in patients with a uh, brain trauma right and they come in with a lot of depression and uh, and, and and this has caused a lot of um, uh, a lot of hype in the especially in the economic burden especially in people working places in companies and uh, these individuals are very tormented because they don't understand what's going on with them and they become very sad suddenly and they lose hope um they kind of like they feel like uh, this literally uh, something very similar like you know the veterans of war veterans where they have post-traumatic stress disorder i of think you've heard of this now this is a similar effect that can happen to someone with a post-traumatic brain injury not because of a uh, war but because of trauma and we're talking about mild injury we're not talking just about severe injury and they go into a very bad um, uh, how to say uh, it changes their personality to the extent where they don't recognize themselves and their loved ones don't recognize them. And they can't work how they used to. You know, they can't really uh, remember things. And I think this is something that needs to be highlighted because um, this is the effect to the patient. Right. But you also need to know that um, the, the people who are taking care of them need to understand that this can happen from a period of three months to, to even 12 months. We're talking about a very long amount of time. And then to the community. Now, when I say community, if you're not aware of this, the people who are in the companies, people who are running businesses. Who are in with this kind of is going to um, make things kind of a sort of stress because they don't understand what's going on with them and then they have this part where they feel that they're malingering or they're just putting out a kind of excuse not to work. I think that needs to stop. When someone has something, I think to listen is important. And this is very evident. We had just like in in just this year, someone did a study in uh, Washington University on just mild injury and the economic burden based on that. So they found that the patients who came with mild injury, like this concussion, who had uh, had the injury, after two weeks, they will stop working. And then after even sometimes after twelve months it stopped working. However, and this reduced this is like fifty nine percent to seventeen percent. Now, if they found if the I mean the company actually gives some amount of uh, of help in a sense of, of counselling, you know, giving some leeway on the change of job to go back to work gradually, they found that no, I mean at least less than five percent actually leave the job. They literally come back to work so i think the awareness of the people the public and whoever that has this problem uh, need to understand that change how to accommodate that change right so yeah i mean i thought of putting that in as a note
0: thank you doctor <laughs> since you mentioned thank you. stress thank you for sharing that because uh, eventually if you look at it uh, in fact from the covid period or even before covid uh, there was a lot of time that you know people went through a lot of depression, a lot of uh, uncertainty of the future, or even the current situation. What will happen? And so much of things was going on. So it's actually already a, a burden to them as well uh, as they are moving forward ahead. Uh, thank you for that, doctor, for sharing with us. Um, Yes, doc. So, so I know that you have a few questions to ask me. That's a bit different because usually I'm most it. So I know. So I know you're gonna flesh that. So let me just read that from your point of experience and exposure, especially in the media world, besides what you're already advocating through your podcast. What are the other ways using medias that we could do to reach out to a wider spectrum of community to create such awareness in TBI? Uh, Actually, Doc, to be very honest, um, even when you're talking about TBI, right, it's not something new to me, but I've heard it before, but not as much as what we are talking about this topic, a time for awareness. Sometimes it's very important, right? I mean, if we really look at it, uh, we are living in this piece of body, but unfortunately, most of us doesn't even know what our organs do for us at some point of time even like the heart or the kidneys or the liver, we know basic stuff. But, you know, you don't really go into the anatomy of breaking down into molecules or, you know, you dissect it and look into it. No. But there are always signs and symptoms of understanding of the human body, you know. If you have a pain, there must be a problem. If you're tired, you know, you go to rest. You know, if you're feeling thirsty, you know, so much of things going on on the outer part. But, you know, when we we create a lot of awareness, especially in the media world, um, in fact, to be very honest, Uh, You were asking about TBR. Actually, in fact, not at all. Trauma brain injury is not well spoken about. Um, And I I think it's a very great honor to speak this in Copy with Vance because I love talking about um, things that's pertaining to the human body. And that's what Copy with Vance is all about. It's about health. It's about fitness. A very holistic approach. And, um, you know, in fact, I learned something today. You know, We, we talked about a lot of stuff. And I'm definitely going to take back that. Um, and and explore even more further, uh, but obviously you know um, bringing this into the podcast will be a very good uh, exposure, which I believe because these can be shared. Uh, nowadays, people do not want to watch as uh, video as most of the time because people are always on the go. If you are driving, you can't be watching video and driving. Uh, then you're asking for some kind of a problem. Uh, you know, concentration. But I think in the whole itself, I think people are just listening to podcasts. So I think podcast is a way to go about uh, of understanding. You know, if you if you want to know about a certain product, or if you want to know about a certain food, or even to know understand about a certain thing, people nowadays go to the podcast because it's it's, it's available out there, especially in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even in all our social media platforms. Um, if we use it for our benefit, I think we definitely can and progress and learn and improve. But of course. Most of these informations that's coming up from the uh, in the internet world, we have to be careful as well. Sometimes it can be an error or, you know, someone who is not really qualified to publish a certain journal or, you know, if there's no credentials, then, you know, it's mis- mis-presentations, right? And can happen there. Doc, I think we are seeing you on the sideway. You went on the sideway, dog. Okay, we lost her. Uh... All right, um, so that's one part of it, you know, when we're talking about it. And um, definitely, you know, bringing this in the podcast, I think it will reach out to a a bigger spectrum of our community if we have these kind of talks uh, on a regular basis, like at least once a month or twice a month, you know, maybe, you know, engaging like a big, uh, like a podcast, group chat, um, group presentation, I think that will definitely will help out. Have I answered that, Doc?
1: Uh yes I think yeah you talk you talk about the group presentation that's that's great i think yeah. because your platform is podcasts it's amazing that you have yeah. something but i think because social media has taken a huge role in in the community the society these days so i think there are many ways like um, as i mean they're like tiktok and uh, twitter and you know they're doing all these things to to advocate so i think it's a good platform to use just Thank to you. even talk about awareness and and yes i think um, you I mean, I'm I'm happy that that you're putting more effort to put it out there. So hopefully, Thank to you. see more things on that, sure.
0: I'm I am i am the little Papa Smurf.
1: <laughs> I still can't get my on the, on the my head, 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 head wrapped around that. I can't get my head wrapped
0: around that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Doc. Uh, I know you have another two more questions for me, so let's you can flesh it out. What are the okay. views on awareness level, especially on this topic in your country, Singapore? Yeah, and do you think creating such uh, awareness is yeah definitely? Uh, but is it uh, the dog, the the, the the I as as I mentioned in the earlier question that you know we have talked about, um, we only start to become aware if we want to know something, right? The wanting to know is a very important, powerful tool. It's just like you want to always you're hungry for success, you're hungry for learning and by learning you are improving and the future looks brighter because that's how our life is but you know often you know when something happens then we will start to explore so my my way of uh, approach is we always should be ready you know it must be always be super ready of understanding the human body or even any certain type of topic that we want to talk about but i think this topic is very important because it actually explores right and 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 can go out to everywhere because now we know that, you know, concussions are such a dangerous issue, you know, it's something to be looked into, not, you know, oh, it's fine. You know, certain things that I think creating it on a bigger platform, like an awareness, I think it's it's very important. So I totally agree with that. But as as of now, I, I mean, in terms of my knowledge, in my spectrum, I don't think so this is a big topic that is talked or spoke about in in, in the country that I am right now.
1: Right. Okay. Thank you for letting me know. I think um, I, when we talked about concussion, it's a huge thing uh, after after I think there was a movie even done on concussion. I think Will Smith was acting in it. And uh, concussion came about only with the NFL football players. And that is basically because of a chronic, we call it a chronic traumatic encephalopathy. They had problems only after maybe 10, you know, 10, 15 years of concussions repeated uh, amount of uh, hits to the head uh, but I think concussion is also something that happens in in the other types of uh, head injuries so yes um, it's interesting that 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 this this uh, basics of, uh, of, of uh, what we found is still not uh, something that we know so yep uh, thank you for well for more. <laughs> let me know about the status in Singapore thank you
0: though <laughs> I'm sure we can uh, organize uh, like um, a podcast even more on, um, on a, a topic that will interest a lot. Maybe you can do like a holistic approach as well. Thank you, Dal. Yeah, yeah, that's for
1: sure. Uh, yeah.
0: So that's for me, I think. Uh, do you have a personal experience that would like to share or relate to the importance of awareness of TBI as a consensus and what would it take or oh, message from today's talk? I mean, as, as an individual, as an individual, I think uh, today I've understand a little bit more, especially that we talked about a lot of TBI and not only TBI, but, you know, you, you, you spoke about you know a couple of stuff that you do but in a very compact way of understanding which i which i think uh, probably you know uh, you are an engineer not an electrician but with that kind of skill uh, we talked about <laughs> the trauma the tumors uh the vascular disorders the infection of the brain the spine the stroke the degenerative of diseases of the spine but of course these are so much of topic that we can even dive into and and if each segment we go in i think probably we will take days and hours and hours but um i think very important that we need to listen to our body um you know dog i like to use the word the car right you know even though we can go 100 kilometers per hour in the car there's still a break all right. Um, And the car is also pretty much equivalent to a human body. You know, either it's a radiator, it is an engine, it is the engine oil as the blood, the engine as the human body, the palm of the heart, the lungs, you know, so much of things. So we, we sometimes have to just to break and take a rest, not overuse it because certain spare parts in the human body is not easily achieved or easily replaced. Some are really tough, some not possible as well. So I think uh, we need to listen to ourselves and be very careful about what's happening around us. And creating this awareness on TBI is also very important because if our loved ones or if our friends, you know, if we ever heard about it before or heard this situation or they are facing, we can definitely can you know look into it and say, hey, probably you might want to go and, you know, check and explore. So I think definitely for me, I think it's, it's a great topic that we spoke about today. Thank you to you, Doc.
1: Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure. It's my privilege to have that opportunity to Thank tell goodness.
0: you about it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yes, we are now at uh, almost uh, 58 minutes. Uh, we have, you know, come almost close to the ending of the uh, session itself. Uh, viewers, I know you have, if you have any questions, you can always send it to me or, you know, in the message content. And I definitely will take it with the uh, doctor as well, because a lot of people has shared their video as well on this podcast and I'm sure you can also catch it in Spotify and Apple podcasts because these are easy. You just log in and you type it out, copy with vents, and then you can listen to them. And today's topic is a time for awareness. And that is what the topic is. Doctor, before we end the show today, any um, wisdom words from you, you know, how to be more composed, more relaxed, any <laughs> anything, anything that I you think, want to say about? Yeah,
1: I think um, again, I'm, I'm very, I feel very uh, privileged today. I'm very happy that I could speak to, uh, at a platform to people. And to be honest, my teachers for me, besides my mentors, have always been my, my patients, and they taught me that life is always changing. It's change is always a constant, and uh, I, I think the most important thing is. Uh, to appreciate to embrace whatever you have as a person and don't look at a, at, a, at a pitfall like even if you had trauma and i think take it as a as an opportunity to to look for the new you you know there's always this and yes the psychological changes that ha- i have been exposed to with uh with with uh, i mean it was a privilege from my patients i knew that how fragile life could be in every moment and and so i think uh, having to discuss this topic itself, uh, I feel I'm bringing the voice of all my patients as well with me, you know. So yeah, I, I think uh, live life in a very um, happy, you know, mindful note, you know, always knowing that be aware, be present. You know? So I think that keeps you, gives you that calmness and appreciation of everything around you. <laughs>
0: Thank you, doctor. Thank you so much. It's definitely another privilege for me uh, to have a neurosurgeon. This is the first time we have a neurosurgeon at Kopi Events. Uh, I think we have pretty much, pretty much, wow. almost ninety percent. We are already covered. I think there are a few okay. topics that we have not covered. Is the uh, uh, what I call that? Uh, what do you call the um, uh, plastic surgeons? Sorry, what do you call them? Uh,
1: plastic surgeons. What, reconstructive surgeries?
0: Yeah, uh, we have not covered the topic <laughs> okay. reconstruction surgeries okay. uh, because it's also an awareness, and uh, you know, yeah, so you know, I think it's a, it's a brilliant to have you here for this topic. Thank you, doctor, thank you so much.
1: And we're definitely going
0: to stay connected and explore more talk sessions in the future.
1: Definitely, thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
0: Thank you so <laughs> very soon. Good Cheers. evening, everyone.
1: Bye-bye. Yes, all right, bye.
0: All right. So that's uh, Dr. Jacinta Vigneshwari-Francis. She's a neurosurgeon. Um, It's a great pleasure for me to have her on board and talk a lot of stuff. Um, You know, if you understand about the human body, all right, it's so complex, you know, (laughs) even people, I mean, even doctors, like, you know, experts like uh, Dr. Jacinta is still studying, you know, a doctor's life, I think, wow. Uh, the, the amount of doctors that I have interviewed looks a bit stressed, but they always look very composed and very relaxed. I think it's very important because um, they are always doing a service to the humankind. And to understand the body, I don't think so ever anybody have mastered it because there's so much of things to learn about and understand and possibility of cure, prevent. And I think uh, these are the very important um, topics that we try to bring in at copy events. And I think it's been a great pleasure for me as well to understand about these topics and uh, you know to share and to create an awareness. And that's why if you look at it, today's topic, it's a time for awareness. Um, it's me, Vance. Another beautiful Wednesday at Copy with Vance. I'll be catching you soon on the next topic, a very interesting topic. And that's what I've been saying for all these years. It's almost three years right now. Interesting, interesting. Yes, I'll catch you then. Have a pleasant evening and uh, catch up. This is Vance. Adios, amigos.